0: Um, while well, you turn to our uh, our time together in 2nd Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 16 to 23, um, as I sort of get set up here, one of the things that's, you know, when you're preparing sermons and stuff like that, uh, you begin to be a little more convicted than normal. We've done a, uh, You've done a uh, sort of like a, uh, a personality, uh, personality test at work. Um, and come to find out, on my personality test, I'm about 74% judging. <laughs> but that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is like everybody agrees with that. And so, being convicted by literally the first point we're going to talk about, is made sort of open my eyes a little bit on, and maybe asking for some prayers um, to work to work on my uh, judgmental side, I, I suppose. So, um, so let's go to God's word here, Colossians two, verses sixteen to twenty-three. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with, regard, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. No, let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up with reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Would you pray with me? Lord Heavenly Father, again, I am thankful uh, for this opportunity uh, to present your word here. Well, I pray that you would uh, bless uh, the words I have here uh, today. I bless I pray you bless them, Father, to your people. I pray you um, bless them to those who are who have received them. And Father, I pray that um, that I would just be a mere vessel, Father, for your use and for your glory. I ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Now we've seen so far in Paul's letter to the Colossians Paul continually pointing to the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. He is above all things, the Lord, creator of life, who has come down to us, saved us from sin and death, and God along with him has given us new life. Well this is sort of the the underbelly, right? It's sort of you have songs that you have sort of this underbelly tone if I'm right, right KT it's the All right I'm no song expert, but it's the underbelly of Colossians. It's this continuous tone to where Paul sort of continued, like, holds this message uh, to in the book of Colossians. Now, we come to Paul's focus of this letter, and, to, and it's to address, to address the false teaching within the church of Colossae. It's to address the teaching of legal precepts and false religions as the, as the gospel, to let no one pass judgment on or disqualify you from the body. In fact, you who are now alive in Christ and hold fast to Christ are to, dis- are to disqualify them. You are to remove them from any form of teaching or preaching. For if they are not preaching or teaching Christ crucified, they are not embodying the gospel. Now, this is so common even in today's churches. As Pastor Kyle would say, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Or Jesus wants you to have your best life now. Or whether we're praying to saints or which political party the church is following, or maybe it's which social bias is the church accepting of. We want to see the do's and the do nots in this passage. What we want to catch is the false do's and and do nots, and the gospel do's and do nots. I'm not going to point all these out, but pay attention to yourself as you sort of hear the do's and the do nots. Paul wants us to know that all these are not a representation or expression of the gospel. We are not to be ruled over, conned into, or persuaded by the do's and the do nots of false teaching but let our do's and do nots represent and express the gospel of Christ. And we'll look at these in three different places. One is let no one pass judgment on you in the matter of these. Two, let no one disqualify you in the matter of these. And three, you've died with these that they now you hold now you will not hold to these. So in your bulletin, you will find what's called the big idea. And the big idea is this in one sentence. How do we faithfully embody the gospel? How do we faithfully embody the gospel? Well, the first point we want to make is this, is let no one, right? I think in context. I think, again, Paul was probably writing about me. Don't let less pass judgment on you. And so what it's saying is that no one, whether it be a pastor or elder or maybe even a parent, let no one pass a ruling over you. Let no one impose illegal regulations on you. And let no one delegate these over you that are not an expression or representation of the gospel. Again, do not Now, these were being used in the Old Covenant since. There were those, like the Judaizers, who still held to the lawful precepts of the Old Covenant. They thought it important that if you were a person of God, those precepts that once was applied to the new church and those coming into it. Yes, Jesus saves, but these laws must must be a part as well. You must refrain from eating certain food, certain drinks, or maybe attend certain festivals like Feast of Booths or New Moon festivals or, or, the, uh, or the Passover. Now you're thinking maybe how do these things really relate to us today? Well, we take part in sort of Christian festivals today as well. Right now is the Lent season uh, it's going on right now. We have Easter, we have Christmas, we have Reformation Sunday, among many others. These are just as many much festivals as they were back then. These are reminders of what God has done, and, and we celebrate them every year. Or maybe the Sabbath. Right? How many here rest on Sunday? How many here refrain from work? Spend their time with the Lord? Some say this is an important practice for a Christian to have. Some say otherwise. But if we're not careful about these things, It would really be too easy to pass judgment on those who are not like-minded. For these things are not precepts of the gospel. Now to go back to the context at hand, Paul is telling them, look, let no one pass judgment on you by these legal precepts of the old covenant. These are a shadow of things to come. All that was the old covenant, all the laws, the sacrifices, the temple, the festivals, the Sabbath are a shadow, they're a copy, but the substance, the body, the the inner working, the whole whole substance, the whole fullness of what is belongs to Christ. Hebrews 10.1 sort of lets us see that, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Nothing, none of those laws can make perfect those who draw near. And in Luke 24, verse 27, Luke tells us, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, being Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself the substance that of belongs to Christ. All these pointed to Christ. Abraham pointed to Christ. Passover pointed to Christ. The temple pointed to Christ. Every dot and tittle in redemptive history pointed to Christ and Christ alone. You now have died with Christ, and through Him you are no longer bound to the precepts of the Old Covenant. You are, Paul saying, you are a new creation. Again, that underbelly sort of tone there and which sort of leads to that, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you for these things. Friends, we can faithfully embody the gospel in a new life for the old has passed away. Second point. Let no one disqualify you. Let no one disqualify you. So why the double imperative? You know, Paul could have just hung his hat, oh, let no one pass judgment on you, sort of listed all these things under that, and probably been good. So why the second imperative? And to use a word that he really uses nowhere else in the Bible, disqualify. He uses this nowhere else in his letters. What we want to see here is that it's not so much the Word, but what the Word signifies. Previously, Paul said, look, let no one pass judgment, which signified legal precepts stemming from the Old Covenant. These pointed to Christ. They were a part of God's redemptive work in history. So in these next verses, we move from Old Covenant precepts to sort of human teachings of the world, which don't really point to Christ, nor are they rooted in him at all. Both are false teachings, don't get me wrong, and the church in Colossae is being burdened by two different sets of false teachings. Paul tells them, let no one, right? Let no one disqualify you. I really like how the the ASV really interprets. It says, let no man rob you of your prize. Let no man rob you of your prize. So let's, put, let's sort of put that sort of into context here. And let's rewind a bit back up into verses 13 to 14. And we hear, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Again, that underbelly tone, Therefore, let no man rob you of your prize. Your prize comes in the work and salvation that's in Christ. Now, I'm not a runner. I don't know if anybody here is. I don't know if anybody's ever ran track or anything like that. But you ran track, you run track or whatever, you get, you know, you, you get first, second place, whatever, you get a medal. Proud of that medal. But what would happen? Imagine if someone came to you and said, Well, you didn't really run the race right. Take your medal, takes your medal, says, Well, do this next time, and you'll win. I mean, that's that's kind of where Paul's getting at here. Pretty, you're pretty certain that you run the race right. But there's people there saying, "Well, I think there's you can do something better, right? I think you can add something to your workout regimen. I think you can do something that will just make that salvation just just a little bit better, right? Make God love you just a little bit, just a little bit better." Um, than what he does right now. But no, if you have been made alive together with Christ, then you have, you have won the race because he has. Right? He's the one. He's the victor. He's victorious. So do not let them rob you. Or better yet, do not let, Do not let them con you, or as the old English word, beguile you, by their fake humility of refrainment. That's what atheism is. Do not let them con you into worshiping false deities. Do not let them con you by their mystical visions. And this last one I think Paul makes a little bit personal, puffed up with reason by his sensuous mind. I believe Paul there is singling someone out. I could be wrong. I could be just interpreting that in my own sort of way. Maybe my judgy way. I don't know. But what he's trying to let them see that these do not hold fast to the head. Therefore, they are not part of the body. They're not taking the nourishment of the word and spirit. Their growth is not from God. These are not a representation of the gospel and these are to be disqualified and rebuked for their false teachings. But you, the body, are to be holding fast to the head. Who is Christ from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. The growth of the body comes from God not from precepts, not from influential marketing or programs. It grows with the growth that is from God and God alone. Not by adding anything, not by puffing yourself up. It's from God and God alone. Just know that there is no prize for those who do not faithfully embody the gospel. For outside the gospel, one cannot be saved by their works. The only prize there is is then is the prize among men. Third point. With Christ, you died. With Christ, you died. We spend so much time worrying about the do's and the do nots. Raise your children this way. Don't raise your child this way. Wear this, don't wear this. Read this book, don't read this book. Be affiliated with the political part, this political party. Don't be affiliated with this one. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. I mean where 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 do we stop? In all the do's and the do nots, It's easy to forget Christ. We forget God's grace, his mercy, and particularly his judgment. Because when we do things on our own accord, well, we're not judged for them, are we? The do's and the do nots are not the gospel unless they're the do's and do nots of Christ. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used. I want to I want to use our Old Testament reading a little bit because I think it sheds some light on sort of the do nots, the do's, and the do nots of what we're talking about here. Uh, so turn turn with. Turn back with me, if you would, to to the Old Testament reading that Meredith read for us uh, here today. So in in Ecclesiastes 9, starting in verse 7, he says, Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Clean yourself up. Don't be, don't be a mess. Don't be all grumpy and slumpy and sort of feeling sorry for yourself. All that stuff. Leave it, leave it, leave it at the back door. And enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. For these, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in death to which you are going. So do that which is right. Do that which is not condemned by Christ. Eat that which really just ends up perishing, anyways. So now to Paul's. In verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. We're going to create a God that works well for us. We're going to create a, a a reality here that really doesn't really pass any judgment on us, but it's going to allow us to pass judgment on others. And ascetism, refraining from doing things, maybe fasting, Maybe abstinence, right? All those, all that stuff of refraining is sort of this sort of self-made, you know, humility that really is not helpful. And severity to the body. Again, you know, just people flogging themselves or or whatever they used to do back then to sort of punish themselves or throw ash all over you in a morning sense or. Or just wear jury garments because you know you're just so lamenting over over your sin maybe that you just can't function uh, anymore. But Paul says they are they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If you're here today, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Know that we cannot by our own works by our own do's and do not's, make ourselves holy and acceptable to God. We cannot, by our own works, free ourselves from sin and death. We need Jesus. When we see our need of Jesus, only then can we begin to faithfully embody the gospel. When we see our need for Jesus, only then can we begin to faithfully embody the gospel. So I want to end with, I hope, maybe three answers to how do we faithfully embody the gospel. And the first one is that we point to Christ, to whom the substance and the body belongs. He is the yes and amen to Scripture, and to him and in him all things belong. We cannot follow the law like the rich young ruler thought and be good with God. We need Jesus. Second, hold fast to the head, that is Christ. He is the body, the fullness fullness thereof, the underbelly of our faith. Follow his commandments and the precepts of the gospel, which is Christ crucified. A gospel outside of Christ crucified is a false gospel. And third, let the do's and do nots of the gospel be your rule, your expression, and your life. Leave the do's and do nots of man to the world. The table before us is an example of Christ, what Christ has done for us. It's not an example of what we have done, but it's an example of what He has done on our behalf. We come forward not because of the do's and the do nots that we have accomplished. We come to the table because He has accomplished those for us. He has abolished sin and death for us, and we come to the table to remember and and to celebrate that here this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thankful for, we are thankful, so thankful for your grace and mercy. Thankful for uh, the work of Christ of the sacrifice that He has given for us that we hold to. We're thankful for the presence of Your Holy Spirit that sort of binds us into that body, interwoven, knit together in love. So, Father, help us to hold hold to Christ. Help us to point to Him and help us to, uh, to die with Him and to be risen in new life with Him. It's in His name we pray. Amen.